to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. It is 2019. Where has time gone? I hope you all had a relaxing and refreshing break over the Christmas period and wanted to take the chance to say thank you for listening to the Bean Ninjas podcast and to wish you all a happy new year. I took some time off over the Christmas period. We actually shut the Bean Ninjas office between Christmas and New Year to try and give everyone a little bit of a break and just a chance to think about something other than work. And I used that time, I actually took a little bit of extra time in, and did a road trip with my partner. And I find road trips a really relaxing thing to do. I actually do a lot of good thinking while driving or while being a passenger. And we explored the southeast coast of Australia and checked out lots of little beaches and also mountains. And it was really nice having some time away. And what I found interesting was because I haven't been able to take long holidays since I've been running Beanages, I've gradually, in the early days, I couldn't even take holidays. And so it still is quite special to be able to take more than a week away from my laptop. And I did actually sneakily or cheekily check my email a couple of times over that period, more just for peace of mind. And I probably didn't need to. Everything was running really smoothly and there were no emergencies. But I found for my stress levels, not that I'm a super stressed out person, but just by checking in and logging back in and just seeing what was happening, that actually helped me to relax knowing that that everything was fine. And I found that having that time off, I couldn't wait to get back into work. I know that there's probably two different personality traits or types when it comes to holidays. I think some people get into holiday mode and then find it difficult to get back into work and then when they're in work mode, they just want to keep on working and not necessarily take a break. Whereas I found I love taking holidays, but the last couple of days I'm already starting to think of getting ideas and things that I want to implement at Big Ninjas and so I, I was ready to come back. But I think it's it's really nice feeling like that when you're motivated and can't wait to get back into work. So I thought of all kinds of different things to talk about on the podcast while I was away on that road trip. And I thought today in this solo episode, I'm going to do some more Q&A. And these aren't necessarily questions that people have submitted as questions for the podcast, which you can definitely do, but more just questions that I get asked about being injured or about my views on certain topics. And so I thought I would use this episode to discuss some of these questions. So the first question that I was asked, it was actually over a holiday break and got me thinking, was what makes a good team leader? So I think leadership is talked about generally and there's different books and, and blog, blog posts and podcasts that you can listen to about being a, a good leader. And, but this particular question was, well, what, what about a good team leader? So it's not necessarily the CEO of the business, but someone that is leading a team as part of a larger team. And to answer that question, I first of all went back to what it means to be a good leader and back to the resources that, that I use and books like Extreme Ownership by, by Jocko Willink. We'll 
probably not saying his surname correctly, but we'll link to that in the show notes. And then also I reflected about what I was trying to achieve in trying to be a good CEO and leader at Beamages. Then I thought about it in the context of sport. And I see being a leader, a bit a leader of a team or a group of people, a little bit like being a sports coach, in that the role of the coach is to help everyone else, enable everyone else to do really well. And so a sports coach, first of all, sets a strategy, which usually is to win the game. And in business it might not be about winning, but it might be the impact that you want to have or the profit that you want the business to generate. Then once everyone's clear on the strategy or on the objective, then the coach sets the strategy around how how are they going to achieve that, what is the game plan. And then the different team members all have a role within that team. And so if it was a game of football, there might be forwards, there might be defenders, and everyone needs to be clear about what their role is and how that contributes to the overall strategy to achieve the objective. And so one of the things I think is that is important as a team leader is that your team are really clear about, first of all, what is the, the objective of your team? What is the strategy to get there? And then what is their role in that team? And what does it mean to do a good job? And if everyone's clear on those things and they feel they're motivated and they feel empowered, then they're going to do their role well. And particularly in startups and new businesses, it can be hard to have really well-defined roles and it's probably common that roles are evolving or that one person is doing multiple roles. And I wanted to actually talk about a lesson that I learned during 2018 around this. We originally had our bookkeeping team structured based on the geographic region. So we had an Australian team, a US and then a Europe team. But we had a lot more clients in our Australian team and our US team. And so what that meant was some of our European staff members were also working on our US clients. And because there was a blurring of roles within the two teams, it made it difficult to see who who first of all who was accountable for something, but also for someone to be able to take charge and take ownership. And the the personality traits that we have in our team is that everyone is quite respectful of other people's feelings. And, yes, everyone wants to improve and learn and grow and and take responsibility and accountability for for their own tasks, but they're also aware of not diving in and stepping on someone else's toes. And so I realised that something that I hadn't done well as our teams were evolving and as as the roles were evolving, was to actually document that and have really clear job descriptions so that it was clear reporting lines, clear accountability and having one person responsible for something because as soon as you have multiple people responsible for something, I think it becomes difficult really to have accountability. And so that was a really, that was an interesting lesson for me and, and what we ended up doing was creating we restructured and created two teams instead of three and then tried to have similar structures and job descriptions within the two teams. And that was a process and it involved really talking to different team members, understanding 
the pain points around grey areas within their roles and also where there was overlap, which can be inefficient if there's two people doing something or not clear on who, who was doing something. So there was a lot of discussion around that, me going back and analysing it and then presenting some options, getting buy-in from the people that are affected and then rolling out our new team structure and condensing our teams from three teams into two. And the, the, over, the reason that I'm talking about that is because it ties back to this role of the leader or the coach, which is to make sure that there's an objective, there's a strategy to achieve the objective, and then everyone in the team knows what they need to do, what is their job, and what does it mean to do that job well. Something else that I was reflecting on when I was thinking about this was should you create a role around someone's strengths or should you create a role and then find someone to fit that? And in the corporate world, usually there would be a pretty standard job description and then you would go and try and find someone to fill that. Whereas in a very small business, what I see happening and what has happened at Ninjas is that we hire great people and then we understand their strengths and then gradually their roles evolve and they take on more work that aligns with their strengths. And then as we get bigger, we break off parts of that role. For example, our operations manager role, uh, one of the offshoots of that was a financial controller role, whereas previously it was all rolled into the operations manager. And there's definitely a, well, there's pros and cons it means that you're flexible and able to play to people's strengths if you adapt the role around that, but there's also a risk if that person leaves, will you be able to hire a replacement that can do all of those things? I don't necessarily have have a set opinion about whether you should find someone and then create a role for them or create a role and then find the best person to fit that. But I know just from the way we're doing things at Ninjas at the moment we usually try and hire great people and then our roles evolve, which can cause issues when we're we're trying to make sure that everyone knows what their role is. Next up, I wanted to talk about how we're handling maternity breaks and when someone has a baby, what their transition back into the workforce looks like. And we've had a couple of team members that have had babies while they've worked at Beninja's and then also we've had staff that have come to us while when they've had young children, so under one or two years old. And we, we didn't really have a policy around this in the beginning, but we, when we were looking at, well, how can someone come back into the workforce in a way that's flexible and where they can still put their family first? And in the case of a, very, a mother with a very young baby that is not going into childcare, it is difficult to do work that requires meetings at set times or is deadline driven because something can pop up. So something that we did with our operations manager, Fiona, was look at restructuring the role. So we had someone covering that role while she was away, but we looked at, okay, well, what kind of work actually could be done or is suitable for someone that's on a maternity break? And something like social media where it doesn't require as much team interaction or team meetings, it's not as deadline driven, that type of work actually lends itself to someone that has a young baby at home and is able to work in and around that or when they're sleeping. 
And the reason that we wanted to do that was to keep our great staff engaged, even if it's only for a couple of hours a week, just so they still feel part of the team. They are still aware of changes that are happening within the business and they're maintaining their relationships within the team. So I think it's really important to be able to do that. And then when a a new mother or father is ready, then they're able to ramp up their hours over time and gradually come back to their existing role or an adapted role. And, yeah, I I wanted to mention that this isn't something that we had to find a policy on, but more we just figured it out as we went along, and I think that it's been working really well. The next, this is all quite a, a mishmash of topics. There's not really a consistent order or theme here. The next topic I wanted to talk about was hiring our first internal marketing role. So this wasn't a question that was asked of me. This was actually a question that I asked to my colleagues. Previously, we've run marketing through a team of contractors that I I project managed. And this time around, we've actually actually just recently went through a recruitment process for our first internal marketing hire. So it was a four or five day a week role. And I received a whole lot of different feedback about how to hire your first marketing person. And some of the the questions that I was asking and the discussion that were created around this was quite interesting. So some of the, the, the questions that I would ask were, are you looking for someone who is a specialist? So are you looking for someone that is great at copywriting? or is great at Facebook ads or great at social media or great at website design? Or are you looking for someone that has more general skills and can then manage specialist contractors? Right, if you're looking for someone that is a generalist and can manage contractors, then do they need project management skills? And do they need the the ability to review work rather than the ability to, to head down and do the work? Because they can be different skill sets. Something else was... Are you looking for a creative or are you looking for someone that's more of a data analyst? So will they be interpreting all the marketing data or will they be coming up with more of the creative kind of things? And those skills, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but it can be difficult to find someone that can think in both of those manners. And something that a colleague of mine was doing or recommended that, that I do in this case as well was to hire the creative and then we've got people internally and my, I'm an accountant, so the analytics side of things, I could probably do the, the data side or have someone else in our team look after the data. So that was in terms of analytics and, and using that to make marketing decisions. So that was some interesting feedback. And something else I was considering was should we hire an apprentice? So go the apprentice model, which is someone young, fresh, and hungry to learn, but not necessarily with much experience. Or the other school of thought was to hire someone really experienced, pay them more, maybe have less hours if there was a set budget, which we did have, and have them really build out the role and create all of the systems and then train someone else how to do it. And originally we went down the path of trying to write a job ad, which we write like a sales page, to find someone more in the apprentice model where they would come to us and learn and then quickly grow and develop. But what ended up happening was we ended up hiring someone quite experienced, which will, I think, take the pressure off me with mentoring because they can just pick up and run with this role. Another question that was asked was, 
are you looking for a strategist or are you looking for someone that can execute? And again, some people can do both. So some people are good at thinking at the big picture and then also getting into the detail and executing. But a lot of people might be better at one and not so much at the other. And for a small business, I was conscious that we need someone that can execute because it's fine to have a strategy, but we don't have a whole marketing team. This is Our team is one person plus some contractors. So we really need someone that can get in there and execute and get it done. And that was important to be aware of that during the recruitment process to ask those kind of questions, to get a sense of whether someone was more of a big picture thinker or were they going to be a doer and get stuff done as well. So we'll have more, I will have more to share about a marketing hire and what we're planning there. It's quite an exciting time at being just we've never had someone working in an internal marketing role before. And it really makes me feel like we've we've just leveled up as a business. The last topic that I wanted to talk about is content marketing. And this was actually a question that was asked of me a while ago now. But the this colleague of mine knew that we had spent quite a lot of time and resources in developing content and wanted to know how do we measure it to know whether it is successful. And my answer to that is that I, I believe in content marketing and our marketing strategy it is centered around education. We're not really a salesy kind of organization. We believe that we want to share value and educate business owners and potential business owners about business finances so they run really successful businesses. And content is a great way of doing that. But to measure the return on investment from content, it can be difficult because the lead time to actually get results from when you publish an article to when it does something, it can actually take a while. So the way that I answered that question was to look at, well, what are the reasons that we're doing content? And so part of it is for search engine optimization to help us rank for specific keywords. Part of it is to educate and provide useful content for people that may become clients. Part of it is for industry positioning. And part of it is to talk about who we are and our values so that potential employees might want to come and work at big ninjas. And some of these things are hard to measure. And while you could look at, well, how many impressions are we getting on our website, how many people are opting into our offers to subscribe to our email list, how many people are reading our, our emails and then buying from there. And those are definitely relevant statistics, but there's a lot of opportunities that are created through content and through building relationships that are more difficult to measure. And so while I don't think I've necessarily given this a great answer, especially being an account that I'm fairly data-driven, but if someone, so if you were to ask me, has our content been successful? I would say yes. And the yes would be, it's not just from the leads that we've generated, but it's from the speaking opportunities, the podcast interview opportunities, the press opportunities, and the relationships that we've built, and also the the great staff that have been attracted to come and work at, at Bean Ninjas. When I'd like to have our new marketing hire come on the podcast, and then we'll we'll actually break this down and provide some some better statistics and measures around 
how we're actually going to determine whether content is successful. So that's it from me. And looking forward to another year of the Bean Ninjas podcast where we'll have a combination of individual solo episodes from me as well as plenty of interviews with team members, our clients, and it's just really interesting people. <laughs>